want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you will be both encouraged and challenged. We would really love it too if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash give. We hope you enjoy the message today. Okay, we're in a series called What Does a Good Life Look Like? And this may be an awkward question for a lot of people because you may have never asked it before. Can you actually ask this question? I mean, think about it. Uh, Is it offensive? What does a good life look like? What if you ask this question and your idea of what a good life looks like isn't what you think or somebody else thinks a good life looks like? But the, the reason why we need to ask this question, okay, is because ultimately this is what we would all like to experience. Would you agree? There isn't anybody in the room, even though you're not saying a thing, I take your silence as, Ty, you have my attention. I've always wondered what a good life looks like. Well, good. I'm glad you do. And the reason why I I think this is fun to talk about is because Scripture is full of men and women that God used in big ways to write down the revelation that He was giving them of God talking to them about, hey, why don't you ask me what a good life looks like? Because here's the thing. You're in a four-walled church right now. This makes it uh, really unique, and a lot of people, they don't have this blessing, okay? The, we're blocked out from everything. And the reason why we've all met here today is because we're not really worried or concerned about anybody else's opinion. We have all come here tonight to seek out, well, what does God say? What does God say a good life? looks like. That's what makes tonight so incredible. Now, we've been on this series for the last couple weeks, several weeks, actually. Chris Haggard, I thought, did an amazing job last week teaching. He did really great. Way to go, Chris. You're awesome. And tonight, uh, I'll just kind of remind you, we're, we're talking about wisdom, okay? And there's books of wisdom found in the Old Testament. They're actually called the books of wisdom. It's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And those, those are the three we're concentrating on. And, and Proverbs is this book of one-liners, two-liners sometimes, that just kind of gets us thinking about what does a good life look like? What does a bad life look like? And what does a good life look like? And it gets us to chewing on this, these words of wisdom. Uh, now, the word we've been looking at, if you haven't been here, is the word chukmah, okay? It's a very ancient word. It's a very old word. And it's actually a word found in the creation story that's brought all throughout Scripture. It's the word to define wisdom, but it's way bigger than that. It's, we've defined it as, the illustration we've used is, Chukmah is the thread that you'll see God has woven all throughout life, all throughout the creation, all the way through, all the ways that he set up his kingdom, all the ways he says, this is my way, this is my path. It's, it's, it's a, we, we use a thread because sometimes it's so hard to see and you have to lean in. Get it? You have to lean in to see it. You have to focus on it. You have to concentrate on it. And this is God's path, God's way. It's not bright and shiny. It's not something that everybody points out. You really have to concentrate and want what He wants for your life. And that's why this is such a big deal. It's wisdom. It's the way of living to where you can say, if you do it this way, 
there's good things that's going to come out of it. But the fun thing about this, and then this goes back to message number one. I'm, I'm just saying this for anybody who hadn't been here to hear this. Message number one, we covered the books of wisdom of Ecclesiastes and Job when the critic speak up and says, yeah, but. Have you ever known, noticed the randomness of life? I mean, you can do the right thing and something quirky weird and sometimes just off the wall happens and what about those instances and a lot of people think that okay most christians just skip over those things we did the right thing and something bad happened but ecclesiastes addresses it and says yeah but what about the randomness of life the weirdness where's god then and you're going to see that there's even wisdom in diving in and letting your faith look at okay questioning faith now, a lot of people get nervous about that, but let me just tell you, God's a big God. God's a very big God. And there has been times in my life I have questioned, and God was patient. But I continued to follow his wisdom. And, and this is what I can say at 46 years old. I've not been through everything a lot of people in this room have been through. But I have been through some stuff. How could you not be 46 years old and not be through something? And there have been times I've questioned God. There have been times I've wondered, why did this happen? There's been times I have struggled and I've had to learn to push on. But I continued to follow his wisdom. And, and this is what I can say at 46 years old, and I, I think it just keeps getting better with years, is I can turn around and say, truly, just what the author of Ecclesiastes says, the fear of God is truly the beginning of wisdom. And it is a proven path that time and time again, there are going to be random things happen, weird, quirky things. But my trust is in the Lord. And as, long as, as far as I've seen, as long as I continue to stay consistent with my Father in heaven, he always came through. He made the crooked path straight. He kept me where I was supposed to be. I ended up being where he promised I would go. Okay? Now, for everybody in the room that you would go, Ty, I'm not a Christian. Okay? Well, I'm just glad you're here. And what I want you to pay attention to is we're going to talk a lot today about wisdom and one particular wisdom, okay? And we're going to look at a story tonight. And the reason that we can ask this question and we can talk about wisdom is because one of the things that I hope happens in this series and today is that you would look at this message and go, I can do that. I don't need God to do what you're talking about. I don't need God to do that. I, I, can just, I can just decide right now, I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to do it, Okay? That's the easy part. But it's, here's what's going to happen. Is you're going to stand before God one day and say, hey, I did it exactly the way you said to do it. But you're going to find that what you were on is you were on his path. But it's, it's, it's just like going on the road to Albuquerque. Okay? For years, I always just referred it to the road to Albuquerque. The road to Albuquerque. You know which one I'm talking about, the road to Albuquerque. But if you stop and pause, it's not... The, it's the road to Albuquerque, just like we call this the road to wisdom, but it's 285. And the path you're actually on is something God established way before we got here. And you may know it as wisdom, but do you know the author of the wisdom you're about to receive right now? And you can do things right, but it doesn't mean you know the author. And that's what today's all about. So would you join me in prayer? Father, we love you. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive and guide us and direct us. Father, we can learn about wisdom all day, but today we're shining the light on you who gave us this wisdom. 
Father, we love you. Open our ears to hear. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today I'm going to talk about three things, okay? Seeing, hearing, and knowing. Everybody say it. See, hear, and know. Let's do it again. See, hear, and know. One of the things that everybody wants to do is they want to see better, okay? They want to hear better, and they want to know better, okay? When it comes to marriage, we'd like to be able to see, hear, and know a lot better. When it comes to business, be able to see, hear, and know a lot better. When it comes to raising kids, to be able to see and hear and know our children's heart and them to know, see, hear, and know our heart. But when it comes to our relationship to God, wouldn't it be awesome? And this is our conversation about seeing better, hearing better, and understanding and knowing better. And, and the one thing that can stop these three things, seeing, hearing, and knowing, is stubbornness, guaranteed across the board. Now, uh, stubbornness is the negative side of what we're talking about today, and Proverbs is full of wisdom about the hard-hearted, stubborn person. Let me show you real quick Proverbs. It says this, it says, Lady, wisdom goes out into the street. So this is setting us up to where what the entire book of wisdom is, is about. This sets us up, and it tells us that wisdom should re- be referred to as the illustration of, uh, of a lady. Okay? Now, if you've ever seen wisdom as a nagging old man or a nagging old woman, it's like, well, you better do this, or you better do that, or you, know, you're gonna get, you better get right, or you're going to get left. You know, that, that's, just, that, that's not how Proverbs would define wisdom. It's not a nag. Uh, the way that I've asked you to look at wisdom is kind of like how I view my third grade teacher. She was one of the coolest little classiest teachers you ever had in your life. Her name was Miss Branch. And what was fun about Miss Branch in the third grade is that she, uh, she was in her first year. We were her first class ever. It was just before the jadedness kicked in. This was before the exhaustion kicked in. She was in her first year. She was in the mindset, I'm going to create and mold young minds. I'm going to shape their heart. And so her positivity was off the charts. And she would, she would come in and she would go, children. And we would go, hee, and, and come with me. And we would come to Miss Branch and she would come, she would bring us in and she would teach us. And, and that's just how I've always viewed Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom would say, come to me and I will show you what to do. Come sit at my feet and I want to show you. And this is how Proverbs describes wisdom as, as this young school teacher. And he says this, Lady Wisdom goes out into the streets and she shouts. Isn't that interesting? A lot of people would think that wisdom is hard to get. But Proverbs tells us that Lady Wisdom is actually shouting at you to get your attention. On what to do. It goes on and says, at the town center, she makes her speech. Very interesting. She's not quiet and subdued and waiting for you to come to her. She's actually standing out there saying, if you would just ask me, I'll show you what to do. And then the third thing it says, and in the middle of the traffic, she takes her stand. So wisdom walks out into cars screaming by and stops traffic to get your attention. And these three things are very important because sometimes it's not how people view wisdom to be. They, they see it as a treasure that's buried they have to dig up. Or they see it as a vein of gold that you have to keep digging until you find it and then you follow it. And Proverbs tells us that it's actually easier than you think. It's just that we don't want to see it. That's the part of wisdom that we're talking about and the stubbornness that keeps us from seeing hearing and knowing what God has for us. The next verse says this. 
at the busiest corner, she calls out, Simpletons, how long will you wallow in ignorance? Simpletons, which means you small-minded. People just say, this is just how I am, how I'm always going to be. This is just how things are. People who say, well, you know, it, 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 there's just a few people who make the decisions around here, and, and if you're not one of them, time out. Wisdom says, come ask me what to do. This is what a good life looks like. It says, simpletons, how long will you wallow in ignorance? Critics or cynics, how long will you feed your cynicism? How long will you keep feeding this? And the next one, idiots. <laughs> I just think that's funny. That's New King James. That's not me, by the way. Okay? <laughs> idiots. How long will you refuse to learn? I'm going to say something real quick, and we're going to go back to this. Um, how, what's the hardest place you think it's, there is to get to in this universe? What's the hardest place to get to in the universe? And the answer to the question is hell. Hell is actually the hardest place to get to of anything. And let me just tell you, that shocks a lot of people. Because you would think that's the easiest place to get to in the world. It's, my gosh, it, it was like, I'm going there. That's like the easiest place in the whole world. I'm, I'm, I mean, like, if I was to die right now, I'd go there. Some people would say. I hope you know uh, you don't have to because it's actually the hardest place in the whole world to get to. And the proof of it is in what you just read. Wisdom isn't sitting back asking you to look for her. Wisdom isn't hard to find. She's standing on a soapbox, she's waving her hands, and she's stopping traffic, and it's only our stubbornness that keeps us from seeing her, hearing her, and understanding her. And hell is actually the hardest place in the whole world to get to. In fact, let me just make one more statement about hell. The last roadblock, you've literally got to step over and walk over Jesus himself. And so this kind of wakes us up a little bit to how much stubbornness can blind us cause us not to hear and not to understand. It goes on, it says this, about face. What does about face mean? Turn around. Turn around. I can revive your life. Look, I'm ready to pour out my spirit on you. I'm ready to tell you all I know. And it goes on. As it is, I've called, but you've turned a deaf ear. I've reached out to you, but you've ignored me. Let me make a statement real quick about when we follow Jesus. And this may help a lot of people for where they're at or what they think Jesus might actually do for their life. But this may shock you. And, and this, is, this is something I truly believe. Jesus doesn't make life easier. Really, college kids, listen to me. Jesus doesn't make life easier. In fact, let me just tell you. You can accept Christ and choose his path and choose wisdom and actually all hell can break loose around you. And I just want you to know this because a lot of people think the moment that I accept Christ, the moment I choose God's path for my life, life gets easier. But it doesn't. It actually does this. Jesus doesn't make life easier. Jesus makes life better. 
And I'm proofing this. How, how do you think it is as a pastor? You think, that's got to be the greatest job in the whole world. I mean, everybody likes you. Dude, that's not what it means to be a pastor. In fact, today, I had a really good friend who made a post on Facebook, just kind of setting some truth out there. And, and you want to get people to turn against you, just mention something Jesus stands for. And man, you're an enemy. And it's all because you did something right. And, and it's this moment you have to stop and pause. And did you accept Christ to make life easier? Or did you realize that his ways actually makes life better? It's one of these things to know that you can spend your whole life serving the Lord and all hell can break loose. And in the moment you sit back, and it's never been easier, but I promise there'll be a day you stop and you pause and you turn around and you look at how much life got better. Got better in how you lived. Got better in how your heart feels. Got better in the thoughts. Got better in the way you love people. Got better in the way that you treat people. Got better in the way, that, the priorities. I mean, there's things that used to freak you out and mess you up. And you, you're every, every, there were so many things fighting for the number one position. And the moment that you put Jesus in the number one position, it didn't get easier. It made everything better. Man, Proverbs is full of this kind of wisdom. It says, by the blessings of the upright, the city is exalted. But it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Do you believe this? Yeah, it's, it's a great little, little portion of, of Proverbs. It goes on and says, For he who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. Now, there's a reason why I picked out this proverb, because I want to now tell a story. I want to take you to a story that if anybody in this room grew up in Sunday school, you have heard the story of Balaam and his donkey. Now, if that confuses you, there's a three-letter word that they use a lot, but we're not going to use that right now, okay? Because I don't use those words in church. Everybody laughs because they... Never mind. Uh, so anyway, uh, it's this, it's, it's, what do you do when wisdom destroys... What, what do you do when a will, wisdom can build a town? But a man... <clears throat> excuse me. A, a, a person that is devoid of wisdom can destroy a town. But a person who has an understanding can hold his peace. What, can it really be that one person can actually turn an entire city around? Is it true that one person, think about this, one person can cause an entire town, entire city, to go belly up? Let me narrow this down to maybe something we can understand a little bit more. Have you ever seen a school that could be affected in, in an awesome way? Just exalt and lift up a school. Have you ever seen one person have that ability? And have you ever seen one person completely destroy a school? Yeah. Uh, and let's narrow this down even more. Can a family be affected by one person? Can a family actually have everybody's heart turn around because they just start speaking wisdom and they just start loving no matter what happened to them? Can one person turn a family around? And have you ever seen one person destroy an entire family. This is actually the story of what Balaam's donkey is about. Now, let me tell you the story of Balaam. And we're going to go to Numbers chapter 22, and, and this is about stubbornness, okay? And, and you can get to a point where you can't see, you can't hear, and you can't understand, all because you just get so hard-hearted. 
And a lot of people just think that this is a talking donkey story, and it's way more than that. Let me give you the backstory a little bit. There's three characters you need to pay attention to. The first one is a man by the name of Balaam, okay? And Balaam is internationally known as a seer. He is literally paid to come into a community. He's paid large amounts of money to be able to bless people or to curse people. That's his job, literal job. And he's actually really good at it. An amazing thing about Balaam is Balaam does not know God. Okay? A lot of people think he does. And it's, it, Balaam doesn't know God. And so there's a fascinating story that in spite of him not knowing God, God begins to speak to him. And the reason why is because there's a second character named King Balak. Okay? And Balak is just a hard-hearted king. And Balak is scared. And the reason he's scared is because he looks outside of his castle and he just got new neighbors. They're called the Israelites. There's about several million of them. And they are terrified that they're going to drink the water gone. They're going to eat all the, the crops. And, and so what we want to do is take a look at this because the third character in this is the Israelites and they're God's people. Let's take a look at how this goes. Um, we've got uh, Numbers chapter 22, verse 1, and it says this. Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of Jordan, of the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. So Israel just defeated the Amorites, and, and the, the, Balak is terrified about it. And Moab, which is the people that Balak oversees, was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. What if you got a new neighbor? And they had a million children. It would be, it would be like, seriously? Seriously? And this is their story. There's frustration. There's, there's disappointment. And so Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this company will look up everything around us as an ox looks up the grass of the fields. They're afraid it's all going to be gone. They're, they're going to ruin the neighborhood. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at the time. Then he sent messenger to Balaam. So he says, let's hire Balaam. So this is Balaam entering the story. And he says, look, a people have come from Egypt. See, they cover their face, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, come at once, curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and whom you curse is cursed. Now the next thing I want you to do is pay attention closely to the story, okay? And look what happens. And God said to Balaam, so Balak sent word, come, I need to hire you. Who you bless is blessed, who you curse is cursed. I need you to curse Israel. And before Balaam could leave, God spoke to him. Okay? And he said this, look, you shall not go with them, number one. You shall not curse the people, number two. And number three, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the prince of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. Okay, time out. God shortly, briefly, speaks directly to Balaam and says, Number one, I'm in charge. And you didn't know 
that I do not want you to return with Balak's men. Number two, you need to know, okay, you will not curse Israel. And number three, the reason you won't curse them is because I've already blessed them. Come on. The reason why this is so important to you, because if you truly are a child of God, and if you've truly humbled yourself, and you don't walk in stubbornness, and you don't walk in arrogance, then you will know that the God who blesses you has blessed you, and nobody can change what God is doing in your life. But the flip side of the story is, what do we do when God is blessing somebody else? And we're watching their blessing right before our eyes. And we could get angry, and we could get frustrated, and we could get mad, and we could wish that they would fail. And the stubbornness could be stirred up inside of us to where we miss how we could be a part of the very blessing that God is doing in somebody else because of the residual effect that can take place. If we see what God is doing, we can be a part of what God is doing as well. And your family can be blessed, but your stubbornness is blinding you to the very thing that God is doing right in front of your eyes. The story continues. The story takes off, and we're going to remove a lot of it. And it ends up that God says, don't go, and then turns around and turns back to Balaam and says, okay, you can go. And so Balaam heads out. Before he heads out, God says, stop. Remember, number one, I am God and you can't curse Israel. So he takes off. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's riding his donkey. Riding along. Okay. Okay. Okay, I've done this before. This is about what it feels like. Okay. Okay, and he's he's riding the donkey, okay? And he's riding the donkey, and the donkey stops in the middle of the road. And when he stops in the middle of the road, the angel sees the donkey, but Balaam can't. Oh, so the, the donkey sees the angel, but Balaam can't see. It says, she lay down underneath Balaam. That would tick some of you off. I know it right now. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. And this is where the phrase, beating your ass, comes from. Okay? Okay. And it goes on, verse 28. The Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. This is very important. Check this out. Open the mouth of the donkey. And she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me this way three times? Okay. In, in your commentary, all throughout commentaries, your Bible studies, different studies on this portion of Scripture, this is what all of the theologians point towards that we need to have a quick discussion about. Every one of them says, isn't it interesting that nowhere in the story of Balaam and his donkey is Balaam shocked that a donkey is talking to him? Come on, let's think about this. Nowhere in the reading, nowhere around, do you see that Balaam went, what are you doing talking to me? He just says this, verse 29. And Balaam said to the donkey, because you've abused me. I wish there was a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. Sometimes we can be so stubborn that we're blinded by the very thing that is the obvious all around us. 
And the obvious about this is that God gave Balaam a no, you can't go. You're going to be paid great money to curse them, but I don't want you to go. But then God changed his mind and said, okay, you can go. But along the way, theologians believe that the money became an issue. And he began to be focused on, if I could just give them a little curse, if I could just kind of flip a curse their way, if I could just do like a little a tickle curse. That's funny. Really? I just tickle. And what if, what if I could just get away with it? Okay? And God stopped him again. And the very reason that he can't see a talking donkey, or he can't understand, this is strange. It's obvious. Is because he's focused on something else besides what the obvious is right in front of him. Let's keep going here, okay? So the donkey said to Balaam, I am not your donkey on which you have ridden. Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden? Ever since I became yours, to this day, was I ever disposed to do this to you? Verse 31. And he said, no. Next verse. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. That's very important. There's a time that we can be blind too. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword. It was in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? And behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. Uh, we're really not sure what perverse he's referring to here, except that the only issue in this story is that God did not want his people to be placed a curse upon because they were blessed, and money was a factor in this. And the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have also killed you by now and let her live. Next one. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I get it. You're right. I sinned. For I did not know you stood in the way. I, I was talking to a donkey against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. And so God says, no, don't go. Then he says, you, oh, God says, God says, don't go. Then he says, go. And then an angel steps in his way and says, don't go. And Balaam's heart shifts and he loses his stubbornness and he's willing to turn back and go home if he's willing. But God says, I think I want you to see something. And he lets him then go. So I want you to watch this. There's a no-go, there's a go, there's a no-go, and now there's a go. And sometimes you feel that in your life too, don't you? What the heck does God want me to do? Because sometimes I feel like it's a go, stop, go, stop, go, stop. And I feel like God's doing this half the time. And he's not. There's a go, no-go many times in our faith just to see if you're paying attention. Are you paying attention? Are you listening to me? Or is your stubbornness causing you to do what you want to do? And are you not dialed into the very angel standing in front of you that your donkey can see, but you can't? <clears throat> this goes on. Um, in fact, I'm going to just quit the, the, the story right here. You can read it when you get home. You think you can see the stubbornness so far. 
There's something very interesting that happens that I want you to pay attention to when you get home and read this. Balaam gets to Balak. Okay. Watch this. Balak says, come in, and invites him in and says, welcome, 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 I'm so glad you're here. So that means you're going to curse them for us. And Balaam literally says, I am here to only tell you what God says. And God says, they are a blessed people, and I cannot curse them. What do you do when somebody is being blessed? And you get to watch. Do you get angry? Or what if you do what Balak does? And Balak said, okay, I get it, but come over here. And he brings him over to this very tall mountain. And he says, yeah, but can you curse them from here? That's literally what he says. I know we were standing over there at the palace, but now we're over here in this new portion of my kingdom, looking over the valley. Can you, bl- can you curse them from here? And Balak says, I can't curse them. They're God's people. They're blessed. And he goes, okay, well, come with me. And he takes them to a valley. And they look at Israel in a completely different way. And he says, can you curse them from here? And Balaam says, I can't curse them from here. The views change, but God's word still changes. And Balaam says, it's okay, come with me. And he takes him to one more location. And he says, can you curse them from here? And this story is so ridiculous because Balak has this idea that if we just change the view, I'll get what I want. And let me tell you why this is such a big deal. To Balak, gods were in different regions. That dirt's different than this dirt, and this dirt is different than that dirt. And maybe if I can change the scenery, if I can change your view, you can give me what I want. And let me just throw this in there as you read it, as you look at it, when it comes to stubbornness. That's sometimes what we do too is we think if we can change the view, we think if we can change the opinion, if we think if we can, if you can just, if you can see it from my point of view, God, and I want to tell you, no amount of stubbornness will ever bring God's best to be able to see, hear, and understand God's plan for your life. The quickest Remedy for stubbornness. You ready? Humility. For us to humble our hearts is the quickest way to the throne of God. Let me show you what negative stubbornness is. Stubbornness is a strong will towards yourself instead of God. And this will always lead to destruction. It might have highlights. And you may have one heck of a highlight reel of, I did it, I told you. But this isn't a sprint. This is a long distance eternal race. And scripture tells us that in the end, God will not be mocked. Let's wrap this up. Let's get this done. Y'all ready? I want to give you three things to go home with. Okay? Three things this story tells us, and we can get home, and you can go to Roses, and you can, you can eat, and you can enjoy, but I want you to think about this, okay? You ready? It is possible, because we know that they saw, but they did not look. Right before Balaam and Balak 
was so much of what God was doing. And they were seeing so much of the possibilities, but they weren't looking for the things that were obvious right in front of them. You know why? Stubbornness. It is possible in this story you can look and see that they heard. They heard so much. They heard the word of God come. They heard prophecy. They heard a blessing that they could have been a part of. Can you imagine if Balak would have come before Israel and say, in my heart I want to curse you. In my heart I'm confused. In my heart I'm thinking you're going to milk us dry. But if God has blessed you, then I know that I can be blessed. If I see what God sees... And if I humble myself, and I don't know how God's going to do it, but I do know this. If God be for you, nobody can be against you. And if I'm for you, Israel, God can be for me too. In an instant. And he heard all that God said, but he didn't listen to what God was saying. And the third thing we see in this story is that they knew, they knew what God was doing, but they never had the understanding of what God was up to. They knew, but their stubbornness caused them to not understand. Let me show you a few Proverbs, okay? Proverbs, chapter 29, verse 1 says, He who is often rebuked and hardens his, his, his neck will suddenly be destroyed. And that is without remedy. Uh, John Wayne once said, Hey guys, you can't fix stupid. And it, it, sometimes, and you want proof of it? Here's, here's Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. Uh, that's, that's true. But he who hates correction is stupid. And it's one of these things to stop and pause and think, do you see? Do, do, do you see, but, but you're still blind? And do you hear, but you've turned a deaf ear? And God says, hey, what about the instruction I've given you? Lady Wisdom stands out waving her hands, shouting, stopping traffic for you to have the good life that God wants for you. One more scripture, Proverbs 11 verse 19 says, Take your stand with God's loyal community and live. Or chase after phantoms of evil and die. We'll stop right there. Today, I want you to know that if we can humble ourselves before the Lord, you will live. And you will have the kind of life that only God can give you. Sometimes, all the things that I think needs to happen gets me completely off track on what God wants to do. So I have a question for you. You ready? What is God talking to you right now about? That you've been way too hard-headed and stubborn on. Uh, God's never going to yank it out of your hands. At some point, we got to let go. Let me pray for you.
Father, today I pray for my friends. And I thank you for your way, your truth, and your life. Today, Father, a lot's been said. But in it all, you've completely revealed yourself by showing us that you love us and you care about us and you've made a good path for us. We just got to ask ourselves, what would keep me from wanting God's plan for my life? What today does is for everybody in the room that that has known humility and, and continues to choose it, it reminds us that that's the success of life. That's what a good life looks like. Humility, humility, humility. And it, it encourages us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and to lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways to acknowledge Him, and He will direct our paths. But Father, for those in the room, I would truly say, I haven't been the most moldable piece of clay for the potter to craft. That can change tonight. So, Lord, we're going to pray, and we're going to speak out, and we're going we're, we're to talk to you. And I pray in this short amount of time that you would hear the hearts of your people as they are just honest with you. So everybody, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to take some time right there, right in your seat. And this isn't about church, and this isn't about me, but I truly believe that the Holy Spirit's knocking on the door of your heart and He just wants to talk to you about why don't you trust me? Why don't you trust me? And maybe you should talk to Him right now. And I want you to ask Him what stubbornness has been in my life that has kept you from showing me what has been so obvious all around me that you are real and you are here. Would you do something maybe you haven't done in a long time or maybe you haven't done ever? Would you open your heart up to the love that God has for you? It it may go like this. Father, forgive me. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I am sorry. Soften my heart. Show me how to forgive because that unforgiveness has just left me in a hard place in my life. There's things I've seen I wish I hadn't seen, but God, you are the God that can heal it all. And Father, I just want to let it go. And I'm tired of being hard-headed and stubborn. And I am ready to see. I am ready to hear. And I am ready to understand your way, your truth, and your life. Lord, hear our prayers. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Balaam's donkey, you guys. Who'd have thought we'd ever get a story like that? I had all kinds of donkey jokes tonight, and I had donkey stories, and now we're going to go watch the donkeys play. (laughs) Hey, okay, here's the deal. We talked about stubbornness, right? Guess what we're going to talk about next week? The number one area that I think we can be the most stubborn. And Proverbs has a lot to say about it. Little nuggets of wisdom about money. Okay. 
And we're not going to talk about offering. We're not going to give. We're going to do a giving message next week. We're literally going to take a look at what does Proverbs say about money either being your master or you using money as the tool it was meant to be. And Proverbs says a ton of stuff about this, okay? So we're charging $20 per person to be here next week. No, I'm joking. We're not. We're not. Okay, it's going to be great. But I tell you what, when it comes to money, we can be so stubborn, can't we? Let's stand to our feet. Here's what we're going to do. Our prayer team is up here. And if there's anything that you'd like to pray about, they'd love to pray with you. But let me just have your attention one more time. If today, while we were sitting there, you just felt God telling you, come back home. Come back home. You're way out there. And I want you to come home. Here's where I am. And I want you to come to me. That means accepting Christ as your Savior. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. I'm going to go over there in the corner. And if you would like to do that, I would love to pray with you. I really would. And you can leave this place a completely different person than you walked in. Cowboy Junction, it's time for us to love God, love people, and have no limits in our life. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. God bless you and have a great week in the Lord. See you later.